0: Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing—everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and the Book Shepherd on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Doctor Judith Briles.
1: Well, fabulous day to all of you. It's clearly we're, this is first in the fall time, and we know when the weather is out and fall is coming into play, and everything is going fabulously well. And one of the great things about fall time, and especially in September, is authors and their books seem to get refocused and they get back to business and back to work. And with us today is going to be one of my favorite people who has got so many incredible ideas on how you can take your book and literally, as he says, slice and dice it and leverage it and all your other written content and really get it back out there It's a little tweak here and a little tweak there. So Jeff Davidson doesn't, he'll tell you, he doesn't like to write. But has he written, oh, 59 mainstream books published by all the biggies. He's had them translated into foreign works over 140 times. He's actually personally ghostwritten 32 books for others. He's got in excess of 250 e-books. He's published over 3,400 articles and he himself has created 24 iPhone apps which I want to talk to him about doing and another 72 audios. so does Jeff Davidson know what he's talking about, does he know how to slice and dice, does he know how to commercialize, does he know how to monetize, does he know how to market, does he know how to leverage your intellectual property? You bet he does and he's going to be with us this entire hour. He's the CEO of BreathingSpace.com. You can go on YouTube and look at a series of videos with him, uh, connect with him on LinkedIn And certainly if you want to find out what the laundry list of his books, just go to thebreathingspace.com and click on his book list and you'll find out all the goodies. So Jeff, welcome back to our program. I'm so glad you're here because this is one of my favorite topics. Um, I've always said that books breed more books or products or things or widgets or gadgets or gizmos and everything else. And it's always amazing to me that few authors really realize what the vast field they have at their fingertips. I mean, has that been your experience when you first talk with them?
2: Yes, it's so true. You write a book and... You go on to the next project, the next book, whatever happens to be, not realizing that you've left all kinds of opportunities sitting on the table with the first book because you didn't look into it just a tad more.
1: And and that's it. Or they, they come to a dead spell. So here's what, dear listeners, you can come up with. If you have a book that has long legs on it, or maybe it's got stumpy legs on it and it's just getting started, or maybe it's got really tired and it's feeling limpy. This hour is for you because we're going to be going through a series of methods and strategies uh, and even share some successful distribution strategies that Jeff's come across with his years of experience that will really take your book into the next, next level. So, Jeff, where do we want to start today?
2: The first and most obvious way to slice and dice up your book is to look at each chapter and assess it for its ability to stand alone. So if you've written a 16-chapter book, and I'm talking here about nonfiction, but we could talk about fiction in a little while. If you've written a 16-chapter nonfiction book, and let's say it's a self-help, a how-to, some kind of instructional guide, and the chapters don't necessarily build upon each other. In other words, 4 isn't dependent on 3 and 16 isn't dependent on 15. If the chapters can stand alone then each of those chapters could be a major article. And you could strip away all references that take a person away from the material. You wouldn't say, now in the next chapter we'll cover blank, blank, blank. When you're converting the chapters to articles, you remove all such verbiage so that when you're through – The chapter converted to article now completely stands alone. It's self-contained. If somebody comes across that particular article and never encounters your book, they will gain value because the article in and of itself is a complete unit of thought or material. And of course, you can make reference to your book within the article. You can also make reference to your book in the byline or tagline to the article, for example judith briles is author of xyz and so by making articles out of chapters you get the chance to get the information in your book out there into uh you know the stream of consciousness once again
1: so you redo that. What about the idea, Jeff? Because I have seen people, especially with lengthy ones, that they'll take if they can really truly stand alone, and this is more likely in nonfiction than fiction, but they just turn that into a full blown ebook. What what's your thoughts on that?
2: I think it's a great idea if it's a standalone product and it offers value because you have to remember the person who goes online seeking an ebook, a shorter ebook has a particular issue in mind, and if your chapter now converted to an article or a standalone ebook answers the question, provides the formula, offers, you know, the six steps, whatever it happens to be, then that person is more than willing to pay X amount of dollars to gain that information. Time is money. And while somebody could perhaps go hopping all over the internet trying to round up the answers very often, if they can get it in one convenient, concise format i e your ebook, they're more than willing to go ahead and buy it. So I think it's a wonderful idea
1: and And do you have any thoughts on price range for those kind of things? I mean Absolutely. for the those standalone chapters, what can we get away with
2: well let's start let let's take our hypothetical sixteen chapter book, okay. 200 pages, so roughly speaking, each chapter is 25 pages. All right. 25 pages in, let's say, a comfortable layout, not packed, might be 300 words, could be more than 300 words, but let's say, let's just use 300 words as an average. Maybe there are illustrations, maybe there are bullet points. So 25 pages of 300 words, roughly, would be what a 7,500 word article all right mm-hmm. that would be that would be rather large that would be big in it's that a big case, article it would make an excellent ebook if of course it's focused on a particular topic that people want mm-hmm. and it might come out to you know 25 30 pages depending on how you lay it out it might be less it might be more you might have some exhibits or stuff about yourself in the back, but the point is, it would be a significant size for a breakout ebook. Now, when you place your ebooks on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or some of the other places, um, let's start with Amazon. They want you to price it at at least two ninety nine. At two ninety nine and up, you get a seventy percent royalty. If it's under that price, then they give you far less of a royalty. The reason for that is they want to bring the floor up for all ebooks. So if you price your book at three dollars, which might be too low depending on how good your material is, for each sale you can look for two dollars and ten cents. But suppose you are a subject matter expert and it's a rather defined area and when people come looking for your ebooks, they don't have a world of options. Then you could get away with four, five, six dollars. I've seen people go to eight, nine, even ten dollars for an e-book, depending on what the information is, how exclusive it is, how it's packaged, and of course, you know, covers are very important. People sometimes will buy a book. Uh, contrary to the wisdom we've learned <laughs> for our whole lives, people do judge books by their covers. They certainly judge ebooks by their covers.
1: Yes, so- they do. They do. And and for our listeners, you need to understand that if you have on your regular book, if you have a lot of little print or whatever on that subtitle if there's one, it it this doesn't work in ebook land. You it's it's really bold. You need to have a thumbnail that snags them right away. That's right. So
2: you could get away for, you could get away with six to eight dollars. And depending again on how the chapters interrelate in the back of your ebook, you could then have a hyperlink which takes people to an offer to your other ebook. So talk about slice and dice. We're now stacking up the products we've sliced and dice and say, okay, here's another opportunity to get one of the other ebooks in this series. You can call your 16 chapters a series. Maybe only 8 or 10 of the 16 chapters truly fit into an article or ebook format, truly fit into the series you're devising. It's still a wonderful way to gain extra sales for the material you've already essentially developed
1: perfect and, and and you know i have to tell you i wrote down great big letters across cuz i happen to have a book called stop stabbing yourself in the back and i always said it was the cliff notes it's it's the self help of cliff notes there are 21 separate chapters each one exclusively stands alone and i'm going to get off my tush and i think 18 of them are really solid long enough ebooks that w- i just have to create the covers for them and run with them
2: there you go. Now, so, there you go. If you if you decide to go the article route, that can be a very good way to promote your book because if you take an article or two from the book, in other words, a uh, converted chapter, mm-hmm. and you get it published in some type of magazine or a blog or some place where people are willing to um invest the time and, and you know, read for a couple minutes, sit there and read, they get uh, wrapped up in the material, and then there's an offer at the end of the article that says how to get the whole book, then you've created a nice PR piece for your book without doing a whole lot of extra work. Let me also say that in our example of a 16-chapter book that goes on for 200 pages, if you have many, many chapters that are long... Three, four, five, six thousand words, follow me. Pump them on. up into four and five articles.
1: Okay, you know what? I missed a cue, but we'll be right back with Jeff and more about how to slice and dice and monetize that book. <laughs>
3: you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through AuthorU's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, AuthorU is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join AuthorU today through its website at AuthorU.org. Follow author you on Twitter at author you, and on Facebook at AuthorU where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author you, where the author goes to become seriously successful.
4: Change the way you publish online. WaveCloud is a new form for authors to manage all their books' information in one place from start to finish, including pricing and listing summary. To learn more or sign up for email updates, visit wavecloud.com.
2: Every
5: picture tells a story and it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover. Nick Selinger and NZ Graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors, independent and traditional publishers for years. He has developed a reputation for excellent work, fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics or call 303-985-4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing.
1: So we are really deep into e land right now with expert jeff davidson from breathingspace.com and as we quickly exited out because i wasn't paying attention to the queue so i apologize to everyone but that that we were going through a couple of variables and i asked jeff and i said wait a minute don't answer we need to come back on the air is that what what books have they has he converted of his many books of, of of his fifty nine mainstream books, what books has he done converted into ebook land, or um, altered them? And his response was, "What?
2: Uh, what books haven't I done?
1: Yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, why don't you tell us, Jeff, how what what tweakings that you do, whether it's an opening, closing, cover, back." Um, and let's let's get them a little bit so they can start thinking along that way. of How much work is it to do to do the conversion?
2: It's not much work for me because I have uh, high school and college students do it, but here's what I have them do. They first, of course, take the chapter. They mm-hmm. read it again for proofreading, for any dated references, for any references outside the material. We get rid of in the next chapter, we get rid of references to who's the president or what you know, some event that went on that might have been cited. So we generalize the material so it becomes what's called an evergreen. Then we do create a new cover for the series, completely different from the original book. Why? Because a typical person who comes across the e-book may never go on to discover the book, but if they do, they want to see that it is somewhat different. Not that difficult to create covers. You can get any art major in high school or college that will do it for ten ten dollars an hour. It's not a big deal. Increasingly, I have been reading that creating back covers for the ebook, or at least the last page, because there really isn't a literal cover. Most of these are bought and purchased as online um, electronic file as opposed to a hard copy ebook. But I've been reading that the back covers do help, and so most of mine don't have back covers, but in the future they will. In terms of what happens internally, of course you have a separate ISBN number for each of your ebooks. If you go to my identifiers of boker.com website and you're going to order New or blank ISBN numbers don't get one. Don't get ten. Don't even get a hundred. Plunk down a lot of money and get a thousand. I don't know what the current price is, but if you're an author of several books, you're going to run out of ISBN numbers in a hurry if you only get a hundred. You really need to get a thousand. Now, if you're only written one book or only plan on writing one or two or possibly three books, you might be able to get by in this lifetime with a hundred ISBNs, but Anything beyond that, you really need 1000 and it pays to buy them in one lump sum, even though it's a chunk of change, because it'll last you for a long, long time. Now, in terms of other internal tweaking and things, not too much. Make the print a little larger than it was in the original book. If it was 10 or 12, go to 14-point size or 13. Make the margins a little Wider, so if you used to have one inch around the material, maybe it's 1.25. People don't mind if your ebook has larger print and goes on for more pages, especially if it's an electronic book where, the, where they're not physically obtaining any material, they're reading on the screen. And it's actually easier reading the larger the point size. Some people are big believers in doing nice typeset with two columns and all that stuff. I don't really think it's necessary. It does look good. It could give you the opportunity to raise your price, but I think when people want your material, they really want your material. And some of the gurus in the industry in ebook sales say, that it should look a little homespun. It should look a little folksy. People wanna know that they're getting inside info that hasn't been mass distributed around the world. There's this aura about having the ebook look like it's something that, you know, is hard to get exclusive, never was put into final edition. Here you know, here's the copy. We were able to sneak out of the country and now it's in your hands. That kind of that kind of presentation. Uh, I don't know if
1: all that's I have to ask you this so are you telling me to create it like in a word document and just drop it in at a 13 to a 14 point font with with the with
2: a, most the book places today that you can Amazon and others they have their own format you're going to have to follow they have a you know a series of clicks you make and you enter various data and then you enter the material mm-hmm. there's .mobi and there's other there's other formats that is important That is not important. What is important is that you have your material ready in your word processing file, and then when it's time to enter it into the format required by the online vendor, you have that opportunity capability. In my case, as I say, I've never done it myself. I just use uh, you know kids from the neighborhood. Everything's been fine. Now, I want to point out something else that is important in terms of slicing and dicing, We've discussed articles and ebooks, but it's, it's ultra important to re- recognize that when you create these independent articles or ebooks from your book, removing all external references, you also have now made, or at least you're 95% of the way to making a script for a CD, for a podcast, mm-hmm. for an MP3 file, mm-hmm. and these days you can buy very good recording equipment. You can buy a very good microphone, a pop-p filter, and everything you need that plugs into your computer for under $150. So you could literally be sitting at your desk using your converted chapters, which are now articles or ebooks, and turn them into scripts. If you're good at presenting the material so that it doesn't sound like you're reading, because nobody wants to hear written material, then you could literally create one CD a day for the next 16 days, and have a whole album, a CD album, 16 CD album that could sell for 89,95. So here's a whole nother opportunity.
1: Wow. Well, I'm, I. It certainly the whole electronic area has so morphed, for what we can do. I mean, I'm fascinated. You've got the kids in the neighborhood doing this, so it's bare bones cost. Um, I agree with you. I, I'm one of those people that I initially bought when people were buying one. I bought a hundred, and now I'm saying, I should have gotten a thousand of those bloody things. <laughs> the ISBNs. So we have to go back to the path again.
2: They go fast. The ISBNs go fast. Mm-hmm. Now. Staying on the audio route for a moment, let me say this. A typical person speaks at about 100 to 120 words a minute. Mm-hmm. So if you were working with a 3,000-word chapter or 3,000 words that were boiled down from a larger chapter, you boiled it down to its essence uh, that represents what you're going to say on audio, those 3,000 words are going to take you roughly 25 to 30 minutes, which you'd is exactly the listening time, the preferred listening time of commuters, people who pop CDs into their car, or people who download podcasts onto their mobile devices. Um, Nightingale Conan did a study years ago that said that that showed that the average commute time was 23 minutes. Now with more traffic and more congestion, it's probably up to 25 or 30 minutes. So, when you're making a 25 minute audio from your 3,000 word chapter, that just happens to align perfectly with listeners' needs.
1: Well, that's perfect. So, we have, we have about a minute and a half till our, our bottom of the hour break. But, so, you're saying 25 minutes down from the 50 minute CDs. So, just go into or segments, however you do that, and, and run it that way. Ideal. And then I have a question you have. um, You mentioned the ISBNs. I've always put ISBNs on everything. I know that Amazon does not require them, but iBooks does. Do you see that changing at all?
2: I would put them on everything. Amazon has their own code, an Uh A-S-I-N. However, Amazon is not the only vendor in the world, and when you place products on Amazon – It's hardly ever exclusive unless you happen to have an Amazon author contract with them. So you may wish to place on Barnes & Nobles and a variety of other vendors. So you want the opportunity to do this easily and quickly, and that's what the ISBN does for
1: you. Okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm a believer you, you, you know you're with a choir here, but I think that you should put label it and claim it as your own and whether Amazon goes with it, that's another issue. So we've got tons of ideas just on the morphing of ebooks of, uh, from your book book. So we have a book that goes into an ebook, but then we have the book by chapter when appropriate that goes into another ebook that has a whole brand spanking new cover. And on on ebook land, that when Jeff, when we come back, I want Jeff to explain. I mean, the back cover. I'm intrigued with. How do they see the back cover? Does it? Are they going to have a feature on that? I'm Judith Briles. You're listening to Your Guide to Book Publishing. My guest is Jeff Davidson, and we're talking about slicing and dicing your book to greater and bigger things. We'll be right back. <laughs>
0: This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network.
6: Since 1987, Colorhouse Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing, Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount on the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com.
3: Do you need
4: postcards that make a statement? How about business cards, flyers, brochures, or NCR forms? TuVets is the solution for all your printing needs. Providing services specially designed for authors, we deliver exceptional quality colored printing. Most important of all, we specialize in reducing your printing costs. No more waiting. No more standing in lines at your local printer. Online proofing. With our pricing tools calculator, you can get instant quotes on all your printing products, as well as shipping rates all over the United States. Just a few clicks of the mouse and you're on the way to discovering how easy and convenient online color printing should be. Contact our friendly, human account representatives. We recognize that you want answers, not voice prompts. Visit our website at www.tu-vets.com or call one 800 894 8977.
3: When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing questions.
0: Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Briles.
1: All right. So here we are at the bottom of the hour, and we've halfway through. Jeff has just given us a ton of of information as we've put this all together so Um, usually we have our sponsor on at the time Phil Knight will be with us and our producer Wayne will get him so I wanted Jeff to share before Phil comes on that there's just something we were talking about um, off the air dealing with with rights getting things back and how you can control those some of those parameters of of dealing with electronic rights versus just print rights and putting some strings attached so that you as the author can, can have some input on that so Jeff do you want to go over a Couple of those points.
2: Well, very briefly, depending on how your book contract was written, if you're working with an external publisher, in other words, you're not the publisher, Mm -hmm. if you've handed away electronic rights, then theoretically the book never goes out of print, and so you're out of luck. If you have electronic rights expire, or you have a clause that says that the electronic rights that that publisher has shall not inhibit in any way your ability to come out with a new edition, then you're ready to get running again, and that and all is fine. In every case, what you want to do is try to limit the length of time a publisher can have any kind of rights to your book, print, electronic, whatever. Most publishers today will not offer just a straight print contract. They will try to get as much in terms of electronic rights as they can. There is no standard contract when it comes to electronic rights there's so many ways to divvy up the rights you really have to have somebody who knows what they're doing and is creative and is innovative and retains for you what you need to retain but the long and short is for purposes of this show is when you create a product that has a new title is aimed at a slightly different market has at least 20% new material, then that actually qualifies for a new copyright. That actually is considered a new property. So no no one ever has to be stuck because of some contract they wrote years ago and a publisher who's unrelenting.
1: Mm-hmm. So any type of change, any change at all, they should be—they're slapping a new copyright on that, and then um, then it's it's a new, basically a new deal, and they no, don't no, have those no right. no
2: new cover, new title, aimed at a slightly different market with okay. at least twenty percent new material. If you have a three hundred page right. book, I mean sixty of the pages have new material.
1: All right, so it's just not a quite update of a couple of things. It's, it's, it is it's that 20% alteration.
2: Well, yeah, what you described is a revised edition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's let's hop over to Phil real quick, um, and then we'll come back and we'll continue on on some ideas to slice and dice and take our our property and leverage it into a whole nother stratosphere. Phil Knight is with Color House Graphics. They're one of my favorite printers, and in fact, they're doing a reprint of one of my books right now as we speak. Right, Phil? You,
7: you we sure are, Judith. <laughs> <I'm looking forward laughs>
1: so what's it. new in Printland?
7: Well, today, and first of all, thanks for having me back with you today this evening. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing I'd like to mention today, and, uh, you know, I've been thinking about what self-publishing is about, and and a good part of it is about learning and understanding the processes that are involved. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'd like to just cover is very briefly a few of the more common mistakes that I see folks make when they come out and, and look for uh A printer and then when they begin to work with that printer what kind of mistakes do I most commonly see and one of the things in the very beginning is really choosing the wrong printer in the first place which in part is you know the fact that they don't really do the uh, careful enough job of evaluating what that printer's capabilities are Mm -hmm. not all printers are the same they each have their specialties and while they may be called book manufacturers they don't do everything as well as they do other things. Uh, the other thing I'd like to mention is that the buyer oftentimes, I find, doesn't really take the time to talk to their printer, and at times when they do, they don't want to admit that they don't understand what the printer is saying. And by that I mean there is there are terms that we use that uh, aren't easily understood. Um, be sure if you're buying print that you understand what is meant by different binding styles, trim sizes, you know, that we most people, most printers will take the time to let you understand what they mean and what these terms represent. And lastly, I, I find that we we have buyers that aren't specifying the right materials to meet the needs of their book. and by that, it um, may be the paper, the cover treatments, things that just are mismatched to the type of product that they're trying to put out in the market. Uh, again, ask your printer for advice and, uh, and understand what they, they mean when they talk about different treatments and different options for papers. So with that, Judith, if you have any questions for me, I'm, I, I will cover more of these things in future discussions.
1: Perfect. I think what's important, Phil, here is what you're saying is when in doubt, ask questions. And if you don't Absolutely. understand it, get clarity on it. Um, and, and I know I can just share with our listeners that uh, you and I actually did a change on a cover after we made, on, on my cover, on a couple of embellishments that I had that we decided on this fifth printing we really need, didn't need to do. And it saved us, what, close to $800. Yeah, so there you go. Ask questions. Your print. Uh, here's the the good news is there's, you know, there's less than forty really full book uh, production printers in North America. I mean, I, what is the number now, Phil?
7: Gosh, I I think it's really down to about fifteen to twenty.
1: Oh, ugh. Okay. So we have got just some really, uh, a handful, a couple of handfuls of really true professionals that have been in the business for a gazillion years. And I know, Phil, you've been doing printing and book production for how many years now?
7: Uh, 36.
1: 36 so they you know he knows the ins and outs and that's what i love about colorhouse graphics and a lot of the other printers that i'm privileged to to have the opportunity to work with with our clients and that you want to work with people who really have ideas who can look at your book or look at your cover idea and actually make suggestions on what might be more appropriate that you haven't even thought of so take advantage of them phil knight colorhouse graphics colorhousegraphics.com thanks for being with us
7: my pleasure, Judah. Thank you.
1: All right. Okay, Jeff, back to you. Um, let's, let's talk about some other things here that we've gotten into that, that you, you've you talked about leveraging our intellectual property the first go-around. So what other suggestions would we have to go back and maybe revisit the party again, maybe change it again and again? How, how many times can we do this?
2: When you say revisit the party, uh, what are you yeah. referring to?
1: Well, I think it could be that if you were to um, uh, just let, let's say um, uh, you've do, you've done it once, like I'm going to take my book, stop stabbing yourself in the back. There's about you know 18 chapters. I think I could do standalone. Or you take one of your books and you've done it. So. What prevents you, or should you, or you know, why not um, come back and now relook at that material again and adjust that twenty percent and come up with a whole new thing? How many times do you come back to the trough?
2: I, I, I can't say you would do it more than once, based on what you've laid out. But rather than rather than create a new book and a new copyright there 's still more there's a lot more slicing and dicing to do of your existing material, regardless of mm-hmm. what kind of contract you have with your publisher in many instances, there are a variety of products and information services you can keep producing that won 't conflict in any way won't conflict with the terms of your contract won't conflict with the spirit of the contract if you 're a self publisher then of course you have carte blanche um we, we haven't even touched the surface here. For example, what, what can be a CD script or an audio script can also be a video script. A little more work because you have to discuss scenes and camera angles and all that stuff, but if you have a hankering to create video products, and these days with flip videos and others that can fit in, you know, your hand, a palm top video, Mm-hmm. that shoots high-definition uh, pictures, you can create video much more easily than you might presume. Now, in some books, depending on the nature of the book and what kind of information is offered to readers, mm-hmm. a single chart has value that should be sliced and diced from the book. In other words, some people sell a single chart or a single exhibit or a graph or a photo it's not for everyone, but it, it could happen. Some right. people create posters from slogans within the book, po- uh, specialized poster oh, sure. pads, mugs, notebooks, all the other things that you can put uh, a slogan onto, t T-shirt, a baseball mm-hmm. cap, and so on. Some people find that creating <clears throat> what's called a one-sheet or a fact sheet or a monograph, or a white paper, or an executive memo All
1: right, J- is Jeff, helpful
2: for reaching ho- their client.
1: All right, hold that thought, and we're going to come back to that, and we're going to get into just those variations in our last segment. This is Judith Riles, your guide to book publishing. <laughs>
0: This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Briles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network.
4: Writing and reading are moving to the cloud. WaveCloud represents a whole new community for writers and readers to connect, communicate, evaluate, and share. Writers hone their craft and build their business... Readers build their favorites. Sign up for updates at wavecloud.com.
3: The book shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. By the way, Bryles is spelled B-R-I-L-E-S. Follow Judith on Twitter at MyBookShepherd and on Facebook at TheBookShepherd.
6: At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from one to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based eBooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com.
1: Well, what I love about having guests like Jeff Davidson is I learn stuff myself. Um, and it's, that's always a good thing. I think that all of us should keep stretching and, and products. And, and what Jeff is really starting to branch into is a lot of the derivatives. Uh, that can happen, and he was just, and we we went to fade out there. But he was just starting to talk about calendars a little bit, and some of the other things that you can do with your book to leverage your intellectual property. So, Jeff, I'm going to toss it back to you, so we can maximize this last segment. What what is it, and how do we do it, and what are the costs involved
2: in terms of creating calendars?
1: or any, any of the type of derivatives that you'll be running through, from the quote sheets to the posters?
2: Okay, well, um, clearly monographs, fact sheets, one sheets, executive summaries, white papers, there's no cost. You're, you're simply sitting there and on your computer you're taking your material in one format and working it up so that it is now available in another format. So there's no real cost. Mm-hmm. If you have um, excellent photos, if you have excellent phrases, and you want to create a poster, you can go to one of the office super stores today. You can go to some of the FedEx Kinko stores and other stores like that that have that capability. You can't print poster size material based on... The equipment that you generally have in your own office, but you can certainly find, uh, vendors who can assist you in that respect. The prices can vary from, you know, three, four, five dollars per sheet to, you know, much more depending on whether it's color laminated or not and so on, whether it's on a backing. Posters in general are for people who either have a tremendous distribution channel off and online, because it is a business in and of itself, or speak frequently to groups and offered as a back of the room adjunct to their books and audios and videos and so forth. So posters aren't really for everybody, but pop um, software, for example, that's derivative from your book is much easier to handle and distribute because, obviously putting a software program on a single CD or, for that matter, a DVD, depending on how complex the material is, is relatively easy. Most computers can handle it. You can print your own labels right where you happen to be. You can, um, on a CD, of course, get up to 740 megabytes of data or material, On a DVD, you can get 4.7 gigabytes, and there are even DVDs now that are double density that give you up to 9 gigabytes of material, so you can get a whale of a lot. Also, with the development of the Apple iBook and other such products coming down the line, books are now going multi-dimensional where you might have the essence of each chapter available as a click-on button across the top of your iBook screen. And for readers who just want to get the essence, that's a wonderful way to go. In our example of a 16-page book, you could have 16 click-on buttons across the top of the page. Each button, when clicked, gives them The executive summary or two or three pages of the material that represents the essence in the chapter. The reader can then make a decision about going deep into the chapter, reading the entire 20, 25 pages, whatever it happens to be. And because it's an iBook format, you can now have hyperlinks to material within the chapter that gives you... The reader the opportunity to hear sound, see pictures, see video, link to someplace else, and so on. So, the world is going to explode in terms of what readers can do with their existing material. Um, software in general, depending on, say, you wrote a book on you know psychological testing and personnel testing, mm-hmm. and you give people the opportunity to take a twenty or thirty question test. Um, this represents a wonderful adjunct to your existing book because you know you can you might be able to sell your book for fourteen ninety five or eighteen ninety five, but if it's shrink wrapped with a disc of some kind, that represents added value. All of a sudden, you can go to twenty four ninety five or twenty nine or thirty four ninety five. So when you bundle your derivative products with the original book itself you're able to charge a lot more and people are a lot happier if they want to have, you know, the whole system that you put in, which represents very little work on your part. From the standpoint, if you have a 200-page book and there's at least two wonderful observations per page, that would mean you have 400 of them Take the best 365 or combine 35 with the other 365 and you have a one a day calendar where each day of the year there's a phrase, observation, witticism, quote, or, you know, pithy saying from your book. People like that. That can be sold as an electronic product. It can also be sold as a hard copy product if you speak to groups and have it in the back of the room. You could also approach calendar manufacturers, although that's a little harder because they have lots of people approaching them all the time. But, you know, Andrews McMeel and a lot of these other major publishers do have a very healthy section in their catalogs of calendars derived from books. One-a-day calendars, wall calendars, and so forth. Some of them also have posters. Mm -hmm. So there's really no end in terms of what you can do based on the material in your book. It's just based, limited, really, to your own creativity, your own energy, the resources you can muster, the ways you can get the product out the door into the hands of the target market. Let me just refer to the uh, young kids that I work with. I don't round them up willy-nilly. There are many ways to advertise for help today. Craigslist is familiar to everybody. There are other job sites and other posting places where you can, within a two, three, four, five mile radius of wherever you happen to live, and I don't care if it's Montana, there is talent within a radius of where you live. There are people who can accomplish for you what would take you a long time to perfect on your own, and... In my opinion, it always pays to bring in this talent at a relatively low price per hour because I make a very high price per hour. And so the trade-off is always favorable to me. I don't care what they cost. The time that they save me and the results that we get is always worth it. I mm-hmm. joyfully write checks to these people because I know how much time and energy they've saved me. Mm -hmm. And let's take the area of copyright, for example. You may have a book, and from that book you create a speech or a series of speeches or CDs or a CD album. And you want to trademark the phrase that you use that is the title for your CD album. You can't trademark a book title, but you can trademark a CD series or a presentation, a live presentation series. I own... 11 trademarks, and I've never filed a trademark on my own. I've had college students do it 100% of the time, most of whom had no knowledge of how to do this prior to sitting down at the trademark website. They read the instructions, they figured it out, and they did it.
1: So, and, and they saved, and you saved. Not only you paid them to do it for minimal rates, but you just paid the the filing costs, and you saved at least a thousand dollars by doing yeah, that. Because, at least, yeah.
2: There there are lawyers out there and trademark specialists who will charge a lot. I mean, they're worth it if if you have the money and you want to get you know the full nine yards. But for most of us, most of the time. Do-it-yourself when it comes to trademark works just fine. So all the materials we've discussed in this program that you can slice and dice from your book, once they become derivative products from your book, may well be subject to trademark, and that's a way to protect them. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. As years Mm -hmm. go by, you can sell your trademarks. As years go by, you can sell your intellectual property. There's nothing that says after you're through with a book and you've gotten all the rights back from the publisher, or if you're a self-publisher, they're obviously your rights from the get-go, that you can take all of your intellectual material and sell it in one lump sum to someone else who will now update it for today's market with new terms, new title, new everything.
1: And and take it and run with it. All right, Jeff, we have 30 seconds left. One final tip.
2: One final tip?
1: One final tip.
2: Stop looking at your book as a one-shot proposition. You wrote a book for the leverage that you can derive from it. There are a lot of other things we can be doing in life to make money in a hurry. If we write a book, which is often long and arduous, we want to make sure we get maximum benefit, maximum earnings from the hard work we've already done, and slicing and dicing will do that for you.
1: All right, and with that, we are at the end of our hour. Fabulous information. I highly recommend you all go back and re-listen to it because there were so many nuggets. Thanks to Jeff Davidson. He's going to be back with us in several weeks, and we are going to be looking at foreign rights, how to do it and how to really maximize and monetize it there. I'm Judith Bryles. You're listening to your guide to book publishing. <laughs>